Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside coughing Pete Robertson. Yeah. What's up, Pete? What's happening? Still getting over that COVID? Jeez, man. Right when I right when you get on, I'm coughing. Man, we hit the green light to go and you start coughing in the microphone. That's it. Well, yeah, I did have COVID. You had Pete it too. and I both had COVID. We're getting yeah. over it. Or we're over it, but it seems I mean I've talked to a lot of people and they say sometimes the cough lingers for months. I'm yep. not looking forward to that. I yeah. don't like coughing. How did? How was your worst couple of days? How how did that go? Was it bad or were you pretty okay? Uh, I, I was fine. I, honestly, my worst day. I think my my temperature got up to like ninety nine, and that that was the worst yeah. I felt. I did get chills one time. Actually, that's how I knew I got sick. Oh. I was it was a Tuesday night, and I was going to bed, and I'm like just shivering. I couldn't stop shivering. And Chris was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think so." And then I took the test the next morning, and it was you got it. Well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I did, but you know how that they the little line comes across? Yeah. It was really, really, really faint. Oh. It was like I could barely see it. So I'm oh. like, I wonder... You got it, but you but didn't get that I, because... I, oh, it's because you got the shot. I, that's right. So, yeah. the, so you notice, I noticed you didn't call it the vaccine. You called it the shot. <laughs> Which is probably accurate because if it was a vaccine, then I wouldn't have gotten sick, right? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Like that's this isn't the COVID show, guys. Sorry. Well, for me, I got the higher fever, so I got it at least. But you were like dead for one day, right? Yeah. So it was really weird. So I got the fever for two days and just wiped out. You know, this kind of like not the end of the world. I was okay, but just you had the fever and you were just weak, and I didn't have any congestion. And then I had a day of nothing where I felt like I was great, like everything was better. And then the next day, I woke up. And I was gasping for air. My my airflow was down in the 80s. Your oxygen? And you my oxygen. Yikes, and um, I could not breathe. I was My chest was completely tight. And um, it was scary. It Normally, I wouldn't be like calling everybody to pray. You know, normally it's just a little flu, a little cold, whatever. Okay, I'll get over it. You know, fine. You know, your friends know. But, what's our, but man, it got to the point where I was like, no, I'm calling everybody like, to pray. This may be it. I need prayer. So that, it was that serious, <laughs> though. It was like I'm gasping. Literally, if you anybody has ever gasped for air, you know what I'm talking about, where I could not breathe. Not and fun. I have, and anybody that knows me, I have cr- uh, chronic sinusitis and asthma. So I have really bad asthma. So we got into the doctor that day within a couple hours. And uh, the doctor gave me heavy meds and, and all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, so I got out of it. The next day, I, you know, I woke up and I was able to breathe. And so, you know, God's good. Amen. But it's in my chest a little bit. So if you hear me coughing, that's what it is. But Well, I'm glad you're doing yeah, better. I, you, I, do. you know, I know you thought you were going to die, but... I knew God wasn't done with you yet, mm-hmm. so I, I knew you were going to be just fine. You know what it was? I still prayed for you, though. Thank you. You know what it was? It was the un, the fear of the unknown. So my uncle died from it, and yeah. but he went, the same with me. He had a congestion. He couldn't breathe, and it was the fear of the unknown. So it was the next day that I was, that I was freaking out on, basically, because I didn't know. I didn't know, am I going to get worse? Is this going to continue to keep going on? Or am I going to actually get better? Is the is the pills and the medicines that they're giving me going to actually work? And am I going to actually move forward in a positive way? That's what it was. And when I woke up the next morning, actually the, that night that I was doing, I remember being outside just sitting there and worshiping God. I remember going, singing out loud for the whole neighborhood to hear me. I was just worshiping God because I was like, dude, I have to go to sleep now. And so I was a little bit nervous, but what I did in that night, um, and maybe anybody that's listening and out there, what I did was I set my alarm and I got up like at every two hours, every three hours on the night, I slept sitting up, but I got up and I walked and I walked and I didn't allow the, the fluid to set in my, my chest. And so I got up to break it up throughout the night. And I did that for the next two nights. So it wouldn't do that. And, and somebody told me that you needed to do that because you don't want the fluids to just get inside there and just sit. So break it up as you go through. And I kept coughing really hard um, to get it out. So that's kind of, I think might've helped a little bit. Who knows? But I was, I was, uh, I was pretty freaked out. It clearly worked. You're still here. Amen. Amen. God is good. Feel great. (laughs) 
without the cough. We had the Super Bowl this weekend. We yeah. had uh, the the Olympic. You watch any of the Olympics? Before I have we been. about the Super Bowl. Yeah, we have. Last night it was really cool. We watched the the romantic. I call it the romantic skating. The ice dancing. Yeah, it was so good, man. Yeah, it was really good. They're impressive. Yeah. My wife and I have been watching that as well. And then we were watching the snowboarders like flip forever and we did that too that was a lot of fun have you seen the luge or the skeleton yeah, yeah once we saw all that would you do that no <laughs> come on that it, looks like fun i was in Brianhead, not Brianhead. i was in park city utah and they had it up there yeah and they give you the option Hopefully to go down there yeah. yeah um i was tempted then but man that's i mean it's you're flying if it's well, ice you're, you're flying you're a big dude too I would move. You would get moving, and I would it would move. take a lot to stop you. I would move. They would have to have a serious hill or a mountain to stop me at the end. <laughs> but they're doing like 70, 80 miles an hour, aren't they? Yeah, they're moving. It's and you're crazy. going around those curves. I mean, what if you flipped it? I don't know. I don't. I like the the downhill. That have you watched that at all? Yeah. See the scenery from yeah. the top. Yeah, it's so apparently pretty. they're. I mean, obviously they're in China, but they're like in the middle of the desert. They had to create the snow. I know it's. But funny. then it was actually snowing last week, and they said it only snows like once or twice a year. I know, but it was like a like a blizzard. It and they crazy. have a winter Olympic. I don't. I don't know. Well, it's cold. They just don't <laughs> usually get a lot of snow. But the scenery from the top of that mountain is gorgeous. It's but there's a really, lot of places really on this planet that get a lot of snow. Yeah, like Salt Lake. Yeah, that, you would think. <laughs> maybe they should go somewhere like that. Yeah, maybe the Beijing Olympic Committee didn't want to use Salt Lake as their skiing venue. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a long ways away. There's a lot of things in this world that just makes me go, hmm. <laughs> I, I just don't know. The Babylon Bee makes me go, hmm. Where is it in four years? I don't even know. Don't Babylon know. Bee, that's funny. We'll talk about that in a minute. No, you should talk about Babylon Bee. <laughs> They've been on fire this week. Anybody that watches or follows the satire Babylon Bee, you can find them on Twitter or wherever else. But, man, they have a lot of funny story, st- statements. I, I saw a comment, and, and this is so true because I do the same thing. This guy writes, he goes, I, I read the Babylon Bee for two reasons. One, for the satire, and two, for the comments about the satire from people <laughs> who don't understand satire. It's like, it's a joke, people. And man, some of the comments are just, it's hilarious. This week, uh, Eminem was on the Super Bowl, and he he bent down and kneeled. And anybody that knows anything about the kneeling, there's this big controversy. You're kneeling at the, you know, the, the Pledge of the Legion, or the, you know, the Star Spangled Banner and all that. But... They were saying that he was he was given honor to Tim Tebow. Yeah, in tribute to <laughs> in Tim tribute Tebow. If <laughs> <laughs> you know Tim Tebow's story, and he would he would kneel down and pray, and uh, so that's they were. It was yeah, I mean, you got to understand you context gotta, what's and, going and, on. And there's but, a lot of things going on in that yeah. comment. So yeah, without without <laughs> having context, it may not make any sense to you. But to me, I I I, I cracked up. I thought it was funny. Yeah, we have so much love. That's it. We love people. Amen. That's it. Amen. All right, so what else? Anything else? No, let's want a show to start the show? Yeah, let's do a show today. You want to do yeah, a show? Let's do the show. Hey, you know what we haven't done in a couple weeks? What? Talked about the book of John. Oh, let's do that today. You want to jump back into that? Sure. All right. Which chapter you want to chat? Let's do, I think we finished up chapter one. How about we skip ahead to chapter two? All right, let's do chapter two. Chapter two. What verse do you want to do? Let's do, well, let's not do the whole chapter. No. Let's do just like one through 11, maybe 12. Something like that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You want to pray? Absolutely. All right, go for it. Absolutely. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time that we have. Uh, you know, I thank you that we can we can joke around. We can have a good time. We believe you are a God with a sense of humor, that uh, you you want us to be uh, just just to be joy-filled. And uh, I look forward to diving into this book today, Lord, where we talk about... Uh, we talk about Jesus going to a party, and uh, I, it's just, it's, but it's so much more than that. And I just pray that uh, uh, you would give us the words to say and the, and uh, just the, the thoughts to share. And I pray that our listeners would be touched and uh, maybe find a miracle for themselves in this story. So, Father, be with this show today. Be with uh, the, the, the staff. Be with Pete and I as we, we speak. And uh, we just give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I was just thinking, let's title this Looking for a Miracle. Um, and so that kind of sets up the stage. All right, let's do an opening statement and you then get going. Today we'll begin our study in John chapter 2, covering verses 1 through 12. But before we do that, let's recap what we learned in chapter 1, Pete. That's a great idea. Do you remember chapter 1? It's been a couple weeks. Yes. All right, here's some here's some high-level stuff. Okay. In episode 63, that's 
that blows me away. 63, right? Right. Light over darkness. We learn that Jesus was the word of God in flesh and the light to the darkness of this world. Mm. In episodes 64 and 65, we learn that Jesus is both the Lamb of God and Jacob's ladder. It's only by his sacrifice can only only by his sacrifice can Jesus save us from eternal damnation while giving us access to heaven. Yeah, that was really cool. I really that sh- those two shows combined. I mean, you got to listen to it. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. But those two, I mean, just talking about eternal damnation and then Jacob's ladder, you know, giving us actual, in, you know, here's an invitation or you're able to get into heaven now just because of Jesus. But that was a really cool show. So anyway, go on. Very good. Yeah. And I, and we talked about this, I think, on the last show, kind of how John broke it down day by day, day by day was kind of cool. So John chapter one covered the first four days of Jesus's ministry. Yeah. And today we will cover the seventh and final day of this new creation week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because, like father, like son, right? Yeah, it's like it started at the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, in that yeah. creation and rested. But he was supposed to rest on the seventh day, but he's not resting today. We're going to talk about that. We, yeah, we might want to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. So to set up today's reading, uh, we know that Jesus has called six disciples so far yep. to witness a miracle with something new for them. And today they will see Jesus's very first one when he turns water into wine. Yeah, that's so cool. It is cool. I mean, that's back then, wine was like everybody did wine. And people don't know this, but the Jewish people, they watered down the wine. So it wasn't like this potent stuff where everybody's getting, you know, drunk or whatever. It wasn't that wasn't part of the culture. The, they watered it down, but it was just part of their drink. It's like our iced tea or, you know, something like that. It was just part of their their drink. It was it was a flavored water, is what it was. Water into wine, yeah. and then it had ferment in it, and it had a little bit of alcohol, but. That's kind of it is. All right. All right. So giving you a little more context, All Jewish right. tradition required that virgins are to be married on a Wednesday. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. Now it's like no. Saturday or Well, now Friday. you get... But it is moving around the week a lot more. Yeah. But... You you basically, where the venue is open and when it's cheapest, right. that's where you go <laughs> right. book your wedding. But no, not back then. No. Back then, it was on Wednesday. Yeah. Virgins uh, were married on Wednesday, for And sure. widows were married on Thursday. Yep. It's just interesting. But yeah. it's good to know the context. Yep. Being the seventh day of John's special week, Jesus would have been expected to rest. Yes, he would have. Just as God rested on the seventh day. Yep. But, what? but sin had interrupted God's Sabbath rest. Mm. Went Genesis 3, right? Yep. And it is necessary for both the Father and the Son to work. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Jesus, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but Jesus deliberately did stuff on the Sabbath day. And, and was he just trying to tick him off? He or was, was he trying to teach part him a of it, lesson. No, no, part of it. But he was. But what he was saying is that the father's always at work. He's yeah. always saying that God is always at work. And the Sabbath and the way that they've set it up is they made it a religious thing. They did, and it wasn't based off of what the father was doing. And so God was always teaching them. Yes, we want to rest. Yes, we want to you know spend time with the father. But at the same time, we want to adjust our life to whatever the father is going to do. And so that is that was what he's looking at. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about worship. He's talking about, you know, surrender. He's always been saying that. And so he was trying to teach them. That's what he's talking about. All right. Why don't we turn everything into religion, right? Yeah. The I'll... Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Right? That's it. We will see uh, we will see more as we unpack uh, the book of John that Jesus deliberately yeah. performed miracles on the Sabbath multiple times. Yeah. Uh, this this this, this one, one is, is the first. first. Yeah, this was awesome. All right, so well, let's read uh, just chapter two. Uh, why don't we just read the whole thing, and then break and it then, down? then we'll just read where he broke it down. All right. Awesome. Yeah. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, "They have no wine." And Jesus said to her, "Woman." What does it make me laugh? Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, meaning Jesus. Now, there were six stone water jars there for Jewish for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. He said to them, now, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know from where it had come, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. 
but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, or whatever, however you say that. Capernaum. Capernaum, with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Man, it's just like, you know, you read over this, and if you don't slow down, you're not you're going to unpack all that's here. I mean, there's... Holy cow! There's so much here, and so wait, wait. It's just a, it's just a story about water to wine, right? No, man. There's just a lot here. It's like you know, I mean, God, God wants us when we're reading our Bible. He wants us to slow down a little bit, read it, reread it. You know, ask the Lord to open your eyes to meditate on it to understand it. So what we see here is is Jesus is represented in three different roles. We verses one through two, we're seeing him. He's as the guest. We're going to kind of break that down a little bit. Verses three through five, he's the son of Mary, which is kind of cool. I mean, there's like the son of God, but then there's also the son of Mary. I mean, he's he's Mary's son, and so you know, he's actually you know a, a human being. He's actually flesh. And and then in verses six through twelve, he's he's as the host. He's actually hosting. He's the one that's actually leading kind of uh, what's going on in the party. So, um, you know, and that's why the, you know, the bride master or whatever is the bride master of the, the wedding or whatever. He's like, what's that one? Bride it's like the, head, yeah. the yeah. head chef of the caterer or something. Basically, right? yeah. He's like, this is really cool. All right. So let's break this down. So let's do this. Let's read. Um, I'll go ahead and read it. Let's read one and two again and then um, kind of go through there. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And so that's the north part. And mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. All right, so the first part is, okay, there's a wedding. We're establishing their wedding. We're establishing up in Cana in Galilee. We understand that it was mother. Uh, Jesus's mother was there and that uh, she invited him to this wedding with his disciples. All right, so that's what we've established, right? All right, what's the first statement on that? Well, uh, before you even get to that, you, right. why do you think John tells us about on the third day? Why is it so important? We, we were talking about the seventh day and the Sabbath before, but I think it's interesting that he shares that because he doesn't need to. He could have just started the story, there was a wedding at Cana. Yeah, you got to go back to the, John, 1 John 1 and get the context that on the fourth day, he called Nathaniel and Andrew, and then three days from that is the seventh day. So that's... That's kind of where it's at. Interesting so that's what that he shares about. that, huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I think, again, so that's why when at the beginning we're talking about reading, we're not reading in the text and said this is the new seven-day creation, but this is John starting off Jesus' story. So kind of it's like it's following, you know, what God was doing. He's building up his disciples. He's he's building his ministry. He, today's is like the start of his ministry. Today's like... You know, the turning in the water and the wines, his, his disciples are like, ah, there's something going on here. This is a little more supernatural. But I right. love that it's like a, it's an eyewitness account too, right? Yep, yep. Like on Wednesday we did that, or Thursday yeah. we did this, and yep. Friday we did this. Yep, yep. All right. So we see here Jesus as the opposite of John the Baptist. Yep. Jesus is social and open to imitations, while John the Baptist was weird and stayed in the desert. Weird. He was weird. Let's just be honest. Let's not, let's not call he something. He ate locusts and wild honey, right? Yeah, and his I mean, beard weird, and he's, he's, weird. he's out there, and he's probably dressed like a bum or something. I mean, the guy was weird. He has core rolls, probably. I mean, hey, come I've, on. I've seen the shows chosen. He's weird. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then Jesus is like total like social bug. He, you know, <laughs> Jesus relates to all of us, though. He's That's true. Yeah, he's very relatable. All right. The key thing to observe is Jesus had normal experiences in life and sanctified them by his presence. We would be wise to invite Jesus to our weddings and our events as well. Yeah, I mean, that's... So that's... So Mary invited Jesus... Mother of Mary invited Jesus to the wedding. I mean, that's, what are we learning from that? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Does the event have Jesus' presence? I mean, that's the question you're asking, right? So if we have a wedding, are we inviting Jesus to the wedding? I mean, is Jesus a central part of that wedding? I mean, how many weddings have you been to where Jesus wasn't a central part of it? Too many. Yeah. And how many weddings have you been to where there's like really good worship and there's like really good context of of god being glorified i mean if you're gonna get married um and you're on the sidelines i mean next time or if you're getting whenever you get married next time not me no but just invited them but what about any event though i mean talking about that you know any event any event or how about your wedding or your marriage or even your marriage yeah you better be inviting them into your marriage i mean but if you slow down and you and you look at that and you see oh jesus was invited by mary 
So you're thinking, okay, so inviting Jesus is a good thing. So that's what we're getting from that. But um, I mean, let me ask this question. Should we go to events that Jesus isn't invited to? So what about that? What's that thought? Give me an example. So like, what if we, there's a party that someone's inviting us to and they, we know for a fact they don't know Jesus. And so we know for a fact we're going to be going to that party. There's going to be alcohol. There's going to be drugs. There's going to be some other things possibly. I mean, maybe not that level, but it's Jesus isn't there. Do we still go? What do you think? I think it depends. Is that fair? Is that a cop-out answer? Yeah, but what depends on what? I, I think it depends on your purpose. I mean, it, it, if you're going to be the light and uh, be different than the crowd and stand out in the crowd, then I, I don't see any reason. I mean, I think we are called to be a light in this world and, and to be a, a godly example in this world. Now, if we're going to go and just be part of what is going on there and not not stand out not be any different then we're becoming more like the world and that's probably not very healthy for us i i i think you were right it i think when you said it depends because if you are a baby christian and you're still struggling with the things of the world um and you go to this party what is the what is the chances of you falling to the temptation of yeah. the party are you going to be more like the party or is the party yeah. going to be changed because of you but yeah. but if you're in a position where because the bible tells us we're in the world not of the world right so i mean jesus says you're not of this world in john 17 but if if we're going to a party i i look for opportunities to go to a non jesus invited party because i want to bring the kingdom of god to that party and so I have a different mindset. I have a different worldview. I have a different uh, understanding of my purpose and what my what I'm supposed to do. And so I would go to that. I would welcome that opportunity, and um, I would look for ways to just speak life and to love people and to elevate people. And and uh, if there's opportunity for me to share God with them and truth, I would do that. But there's a lot of people that that might not be where you're at. And if that's not where you're at, you need to be in and probably avoid such a, you know, certain Agreed. parties for that. So that's my thought on that. Okay. All right. So let's read uh, what? Three through five. five? Yeah. All you right. want to read it? Sure. All right. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus, whoops, skipped ahead. And they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? A woman. A woman. This, and side note, he wasn't being disrespectful no. to his mom. I, I think really he's saying, you know, yeah, it was a term of endearment. Yeah. I also think maybe he's saying, look, he doesn't call her mother, right? I think maybe as his ministry's getting ready to start, I've heard it put this way, that oh, yeah. this was kind of him saying, look, I answer to my father. You know, I answer to my father who is in heaven, you know, but I, he wasn't, the key here is that he wasn't being disrespectful to, right. to Mary. What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And John shares, we hear this this term, my hour hasn't come, uh, like three or four more times in the book of John yeah. and, until his hour does come. Yeah. So John uses this quite a, quite a bit. Um, his mother said to the servants, I love this, do whatever he tells you. I love it. He points, Mary points the servants to Jesus. Very cool. Yeah, if you're if you're reading this for the first time or opening this and you hear these, I mean that don't just brush over that. I mean, listen to what's being said here. You know, since Jewish wedding feasts lasted a week, it was necessary for the groom to have adequate provisions. For one thing, it would have been embarrassing to run out of either food or wine. I mean, at any event, right? You want to make sure that you have your drinks, you want to make sure you have food. Did you say a week? Yeah, a week. They they did that. A lot of the cultures today do that. Like in India culture, I've been to one where there's the whole week they're celebrating. Can you imagine um, if weddings lasted a week in America? Yeah, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Anyways, we would guess that the bride and the groom were not rich and were limited on budget, so a miracle was needed to help. So I mean, we're just assuming. So as you're reading this, you're probably thinking, well, maybe they didn't have, because if they were rich, they probably would have had a whole bunch of extra wine and, and so forth. So they didn't have that. Um, but why did Mary approach Jesus about the problem? Did he, did she actually expect him to do something special to meet the need? That's the question I asked. Uh, yeah. I, I, why, why did he, I mean, she, so obviously Mary knows who Jesus is, right? Obviously knows that, Hey, this is this, my son is special. 
My son can do things. So obviously, right? I Mary, mean, Mary, did she know? Yeah. yeah, Mary, did you know? Yeah. So because of, I mean, obviously she was she was visited by angels, and she's probably seen and heard her son talk. I mean, at twelve years old, he's in the temple and he's mm-hmm. teaching these rabbis. You know, so she knows that something's up. So. You know, did she actually expect he's going to do something? I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of the question but that I have. But why now? Why does she ask for his help now? I mean, we don't have anything else in the New Testament that talks about her asking for help. I mean, I would she been impatient? Would she like, would you get on with it already? <laughs> I mean, she's probably saying, what are you waiting it's for? It's time. Yeah, it's time. I mean, I, it's almost like, is she trying to spur him on here? I, I don't know. Is she trying to say, come on, son, you know, you've been waiting and waiting. You have your disciples here. I think it's time. You know, so, but after you've walked with Jesus for some times, you do intercessory kind of things. You know him and call on him for to do things for others. And that's kind of my thought. So Mary is, uh, probably cares about these people. Mary is like, hey, I don't want them to suffer. And in the same thing with us, when we, when we are walking with Jesus and we're surrendering to him, and we get around other people that are suffering or other people that are things that are happening to them. Maybe they're at the wedding and something's happening. What do we do? We start intercessory and praying for them. We start intervening. We are, we start saying, hey, Jesus, could you help these people? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. That's that's what I'm sensing. What's your thoughts? I, well, I don't. I, I think Mary must have been close to whoever this wedding was for. Yeah. They, there had to be a tie there. Yeah. You know, probably a family tie or, or something. Because... First of all, they're there, they're invited, obviously, but also Mary knows they're out of wine before even the banquet master knows they're yeah. out of wine. He yeah. doesn't He doesn't even know, right? Yeah. So she's kind of like in the know before they are. Yeah, so she's probably serving. That tells me that yeah. she's intimately involved in this, in this wedding, so yeah. I don't know. But I mean, naturally, so the application here is naturally, if you are walking with the Lord and you have a track record with Jesus and you know that he is special and you know that he can do miracles and things because you've already experienced in your life, wouldn't you naturally do what Mary did? Wouldn't you naturally ask him to help your friends? Yeah. So that's you know kind of... And, and I love that she didn't she didn't tell Jesus, hey, we need more wine, make more wine. All, all she did was she, she laid... So I think this is a great lesson for us. She laid the concerns at Jesus' feet. Like, look, they, they're out of wine. She didn't try to solve it or tell him how to solve it. She just said, here's the problem. Yeah. And then pointed people to Jesus. Yeah, and his response to that was, why are you getting me involved in this matter? I mean, he's like, what are you doing? You know, and then the question there is, it seems as if Jesus is making clear to his mother that he's no longer under her supervision. Yeah. And that from now on, he's only going to be taking what his father wanted him to do. So, I mean, it's, it, but it's a mother, it's a mother-son kind of interaction yeah. here. It's kind of yeah. cool. You know, this is not, this is not something we just want to brush over. This is like... You know, mother saying, "Hey, son, can you? Here's the problem. Can you take care of this?" And he's like, "Dude, what do you want me to do? Why are you involving me?" But right. Right. the next thing he does is what? He does this amazing miracle, <laughs> and actually solves the problem, right? Yeah, and I and I think you said it best. We don't tell Jesus what to do. We simply cast all of our problems over to Him and trust Him to do what is best. You know, and, and and again, we'll we'll get to this a little bit, but it's Jesus that takes the initiative. Mom just basically <laughs> says, "Hey, here's the problem," and Jesus is the one that actually moves forward. All right, let's do another statement. Pete, I mess that up all the time. I go I go to Jesus with a list, like here here's here's what I need done, and I just like, oh, stop doing that. It's disgusting. Like God, He already knows what's best for me. I got to stop giving Him a list. Yeah, Jesus, so Jesus, Jesus taught us, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. And we have to just continually keep saying that. Right, go on to the next statement. All right. Another thing to observe here is when John introduces us to the hour. Yeah. Where Jesus said, my hour is not yet come. We must understand that Jesus lived by a heavenly timetable. Yeah. Amen. Mark out, marked out by him by the Father, or for him by the Father. We see this in John 730. Um so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Also, in John 8, 20, 12, 23, and 17, 1, and so on, as we continue to study John, we will observe how this concept of the hour is developed. Yeah, so that's kind of a big deal. And so, like, if you're reading this for the first time, again, you and you see that, you should just stop and ask yourself, what in the world is he talking about? The hour. 
You know, and then you look at the Bible in context as we just did. So we gave you John 8, 20. We gave you John 12, 23, John 17, 1. Those are all things talking about God's hour. And so that must tell us that, hey, there's a timetable here. God's operating by a timetable. And then the same thing can say about us. God, there's a timetable in our own life. You know, God is always a work around us. We operate according to his timing. That we have to understand that everything is about him. It's about what he's doing. It's about what he desires. So we must be ready in season and out of season. You know, I heard it, I heard a statement once said that if you are if you call yourself a Christian but you live in a continuous lifestyle of sin, you're not going to be prepared for when the hour comes. And so I was I I, th- I thought about that. I says, well, how do we know what the hour is for our own life? Well. You know, if we're walking with God's presence and we're walking in that, then all of a sudden some circumstance or something happens in your life. If you're walking obediently and you're walking with him, you're going to recognize, hey, my hour has come for me to do something. I'm supposed to act right now. I'm supposed to be used by God right now. But if you're living in sin or you're living in in a a way that's not inviting Jesus to the party, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And so that's kind of that thought process. Did you have any thoughts I, to that? Something struck. Something I wanted to to lead with, and I and I forgot. So if you if you read the last verse of the book of John, you know what you know what it says, right? I'm sure you do. Let me read it to for our listeners. It says, "Now there are also many things, many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written in." So John's telling us, man, there is so much that I couldn't share with you. It would, I mean, literally would fill up the libraries of this world. But yet he shares this story, which if you just glance over it, it's like, it's not that big of a deal, right? He also, he showed up at a party, made wine, cool. There's so much in this story that we just glance over. You know, and there's preparation involved in this. And so Jesus is talking about my hour hasn't come. And then he's talking about the hour has come. Remember when in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's ready to go. Right. So the hour for him always pointed to his death, burial, and resurrection. That was always his hour. But in the midst of that preparation, there was preparation. In the midst of him waiting upon the hour when he was supposed to show up, he had to be ready you know, and so the wedding party was prepared ahead of time to be ready for him, you know, and then something took place during the wedding that needed his supernatural help. And so they were prepared. And I think that failing to prepare is is preparing to fail. And so we need to prepare. And the way that we prepare is by being in his word, by by praying, by continually surrendering our lives, by capturing our thoughts, by meditating on what is true, by by doing the things that God is asking us to do. And so we have to. Remember in Matthew 24, verses 42 for 44, it says, so you too must keep watch for you do not know what day your day is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when you least expect it. And so that's talking about like any moment of your life. Every day, you have no idea where God's going to show up. You have no idea what God might ask you to do. You have to adjust your life in that moment and be ready, and then go ahead and do what God asks you to do and, and fulfill His purpose. And so I think that there's a lot to do with the hour in that. What's the hour in your life? What is God asking of you at this moment? You know, Luke 21, 36 is be alert at all times. Pray so that you have the power to escape everything that is about to happen and stand in front of the Son of Man. So not only are you ready to do his work, but you're also ready to combat against the evil one. And if you're not ready, that hour that comes that you are being attacked by Satan, and if you're not ready, what happens? You're going to fail. You're going to fall short. So I don't know. So that's, that's, that's kind of... My thought. Where are we at? Well, let's let's wrap up. I mean, we've already kind of talked about this, but right. I want to read the statement because I think it's it's just a good reminder. Okay. Uh, last thing we want to observe in verse five is that Mary's words, what Mary's words, the servants revealed servants revealed that she was willing to let her son do whatever he pleased, and that she trusted him to do what was right. Again, we we touched on that already, but I kind of wanted to bring it up one more time. It would be wise for us to obey and do whatever Jesus tells us to do. It is worth noting that it was Jesus, not Mary, who took the command and solved the problem, and that Mary simply pointed Jesus. 
pointed yeah. to Jesus, not to herself. I mean, we are to just be still and let God be God. And so in the midst of a situation where God is doing something in your heart, he's asking of you, you know, he wants to He wants to fight for you. He wants to do all the work. Exodus 14, 4, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And just think about that. And that's a word for a lot of people today. So if there's something that's happening in your life, and you've invited Jesus to the party, and you've invited to him to, to be there, know that God is at work. Know that he is fighting for you. He is for you, and that you just need to be still and worship him and and um, be available to him. And, and then more than anything else, you know, point other people to Jesus like Mary taught us. You know, as she was, she learned that, she, you know, did that, so we do the same thing. Good so, stuff. Did you have something else? Nope. Oh. Let's, let's move on to the miracle itself. Okay. Okay. Verse 6, now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rite of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom over, hey, come here. He said to him, everyone serves the good wine first when people have drunk freely, and then they bring out the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You know, observe that Jesus, the miracle itself, was not an spectacular event. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes like there was something where, I've heard it where people's hands were were gone, and then all of a sudden they saw the hand grow back. I've heard miracles like that. But this was just something small. This was like, hey, there's a bunch of water back here, and he's going to turn it into uh, you know, to wine. But only Mary, his disciples, and the servants knew what happened. Yeah. You know, This miracle did something for his disciples. It revealed his glory. This is the first time where they're like, aha, this guy, this guy is different. This guy <laughs> is doing something that we can't really comprehend. So this event made their foundation and belief in him stronger. It, it started solidifying their faith. This was the beginning of, of many more miracles to happen over the course of Jesus' ministry. If we invite Jesus to our events and social activities, we too will see his hand at work, and we too will begin to build our faith um, in him. And and it's when you make him priority and you invite him to take precedence and you know, you're constantly living your life so that he's pleased, then you're going to start seeing many more miracles yeah. take place. Your thoughts on that? No, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, if, if you want to witness miracles, you want to witness supernatural, you've got to, you've got to invite Jesus in there. So. You know, David Wilkerson said, how quickly we forget God's great deliverance in our lives, how easily we take for granted the miracles he performed in our past. And, and there's, if we stop for a second and um, we really just start evaluating the miracles that are taking place today, um, we would be amazed. And so let's just kind of talk about some of these miracles. Let's talk about ways that we see God. Well, actually, we can get into that. But this, um, what am I talking about here? Over time to get to know Jesus better. We, miracles happen. I mean, that's that's kind of it. The more that we know Jesus, the more that he talks. Um, miracle in my own life was, um, you know, just every day, like when I need wisdom or I need knowledge, that's a supernatural event. That's a divine thing that's taking place. God gives me clarity. Um, how do I know it's of God? It points back to the truth. How do I know it points as it's of God? It gives him glory. He gets praise for it. You know, it's, you know, what if I, you know, people are thinking like, what if I think of something and uh, how do I know if it's a miracle of God? Well, if you're thinking of what it is, it's in, he's the one that's getting glory for it, then it's of him. If it's truth and it's going to, and it's right and it's holy and it's done in good report, then we know it's him. And so if you're positioning yourself and you invited him to the, to the story, then that's going to happen and it's going to happen every day. We kind of talked about this on Saturday with the men, we were talking about, you know, if, um, you know, if you're not inviting, you know, God to, to your marriage and you're not, you know, doing these, these different things and how, how are you going to, why are you going to love your wife or why are you going to, how's your wife, how's your marriage going to be successful yeah. if God isn't the center of it? I don't know. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. I think it comes back to 
not being selfish. I mean, when we're when we're trying to build our own kingdom and we're trying and we're focused only on ourselves, we're going to miss those miracles. When we do what what Jesus told us what the what the two great the, the things we need to do, right? Love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and and love others like ourselves. If we can focus on God and focus on people, then I think your eyes become open to start seeing some more of those supernatural things that you're just not aware of when you're self-absorbed. You know, how many times has have you uh, has it ever happened to you where God leads somebody else to talk to you or they give you a verse or hey God just put you on my heart to pray for you. Yeah. That's that's a miracle. That's a divine supernatural thing. And how many times when you do that do you hear back I needed that? Yeah. Or yeah. You, you don't know what I was just going through and that you, you man you I've, sometimes a, you hear people like i was like at the end of my rope you know and i needed that that word turned me around and pointed me back to jesus those and, are miracles and then there's actual physical miracles where i've heard it where people said i had no money and god then provided the exact amount of money to pay my bill <laughs> yeah. or we were out of food and for whatever reason i kept giving cereal over and over and over again and it just god just kept filling it up i've heard many times that happens it's happened in my life manna yeah, and I've heard people say that we had no gas, and we were completely out of gas, and and we needed to get to a certain location, and we were able to get to that. I've heard that many a times. I've heard many a times where people said, there's no way I should have survived that car accident. There's no way I should have survived whatever took place. Yep. And so it's God, there's physical miracles that God is doing all the time, and if we have a mind uh, of Christ, and we're ready for it, and we're prepared for it, we'll see it more often. And then there's also the the experiences, the supernatural experiences, the times that God gets in and, and moves and he speaks to us. Those are divine miracles. And so we have to be ready for those. And that's kind of what's taking place. So, all right. So is there, let's do the next statement yep. and we'll move on. Okay. Jesus did not preach a sermon after this miracle, but oftentimes he did. Like the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, then the bread of life sermon immediately following. Yeah. What if the Lord did preach a sermon after he turned the water into wine? What might he have said? Hmm, that's a good thought. Right. He likely would have told the people that the world's joy always runs out, true, and cannot be regained, but the joy that he gives is always new and ever satisfying. Remember... Pete, in Scripture, wine is always a symbol for joy. Yeah, people don't realize that. So whenever you see the the word joy in the Bible, it's it's you know a lot of times whenever you see wine, you got to think of joy because you know joyful, happy, you know that's, that's right. kind of the symbolism. But but again, I mean that's a great message. I mean if you're reading this and you, you know ask that question, well, you know Jesus, what he gives, it always it never runs out. You know, the, that wine, if, if there was a million people at that thing, he would have just, that would have kept going, just like the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. It would have, he would have just kept feeding the people. It just, it, with and, abund- him, and with abundance left over. That's it. It reminds me of the, of the woman at the well, too. He's like, you know, if you drink, I have water you could drink and you never thirst again. You know, he's like, she's like, well, give me some of that. So it, you kind of got a recurring theme going through, through John here. The, the key, though, in that is that we have to invite Jesus to the party, though. We, again, our heart, it, I mean, Dwight L. Moody said, the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. It's if you're not going to experience the joy that God continually gives, you're not going to experience the miracles that God continually gives if you're living a life where you're on the stage and not God. You know, Mary Mary understood that, no, Jesus is on stage, go to him He's the one that's going to do the miracle. He's the one that's going to bring the joy. He's the one that's going to bring the excitement. And so that's that's it. I mean, that's that's the key. Psalms 35 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is, is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And, and what that is saying is you might be going through a circumstance right now. It, your life might be very difficult. There might be stretching that's happening. But if you're inviting Jesus to your party, if you're asking him to be a part of that, I promise you, he will give you joy. He will He will do something supernatural in your life to open your eyes, to reveal to you that he is good, that he is faithful, that he is true. He will. He will provide some miracle, some way, somehow. I guarantee it. But if you're going through a circumstance and you're going through a trial and you're going through things and you're not inviting him and you're not meditating on him and you're not trying to seek him in that moment, you're going to miss the miracle. You're going to miss the supernatural event that's going to take place. 
But if you're there and you're still in his presence and you're worshiping him, I promise you, you're going to see it. Any thoughts, Bob, on that? Well, I'm, I'm just thinking about how Jesus went about this miracle. And, and because, well, look, I mean, he could have... He could have made a, a wagon appear with, you know, barrels of wine and, and, and did it that way. But it's how it's yeah. how he solved this problem and, and what he used to solve the problem. I mean, there, I, there's to me, there's so much imagery. imagery. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. But, word picture. Yeah. I mean, so he uses six stone pots, right? Like, it, it just reminds me of the stone tablets of the law. So he's like, I'm fulfilling the, I'm, he's fulfilling the law, but it's just, there's so many things there. You remember what Moses's first miracle was? Yeah. He turned water, he turned the water into blood, yeah. which is death, right? Mm -hmm. What does God do? Or Jesus does, he turns the water into wine, which is life, joy, you mm -hmm. know, it's just little things like that. He uses the ritual pots, you know, the, the stone ritual kind of just, it's almost like he's foreshadowing, maybe not even almost, he is foreshadowing, look, I am going to fulfill the law with what I'm about to do as my ministry gets started. And there's just so much stuff. And you know what? What This thing, so he, this is fascinating to me. You always hear people say, oh, the earth is a billion years old. It's, you know, billions and billions of years old. And, you know, we, we find it so hard to believe that, you know, we believe Genesis 1-1, but we can't believe other things. So what what is wine? Wine is grape juice plus what? Alcohol, ferment. <laughs> Time. Time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. But how old was that wine? I don't know. He just created it. Oh, yeah. So it reminds me of like... How like, funny. Yeah. Like Adam. How old was Adam when yeah. God created him? Yeah. Was he a newborn? 30 years old. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he probably was. We have no idea. So to God can create things that look like they're old, even though they're that's brand so new. And I, so my argument, when people are like, so don't just give in on that argument. Oh, the earth is billions of years old. God could create an earth that looks like it's billions of year, years yeah. old, even though it's only one second old. Yeah. So, and, and the same thing with the universe, you know, I don't know. So again, so, so context here is there's a circumstance, there's a problem. Okay. So in our own life, we have circumstances, we have problems. And, and here it is. Jesus showed up. Jesus did the miracle. Jesus is the one that performed. Jesus is it. And so, again, same thing with us. You might be going through the problem. You might be going through needing a miracle in your life. And I promise you, we serve a God of miracles. And I guarantee you, if you are positioning yourself and inviting him to the party, he will show up and he will reveal this to you, whatever that is. All right. Amen. So there's another sermon that he might uh, have given, maybe something like this. The world offers the best at the first, and then once you're hooked, Things start to get worse. So true. But Jesus continues to offer that which is best until we, until uh, we one day enjoy the finest blessings in the eternal kingdom. Yeah, Satan, Satan tempts us with the shiny, right? That like, oh come on. And then what? You ever hear that saying that sin always keeps you keeps you longer than you want? Yeah. You know, costs you more than you wanted to pay, yeah. and keeps you longer than you wanted to yeah. stay. God is the opposite. Yep. He's always giving you his best. You have eternal peace when you invite Jesus to the party. It's it's his track record is so long and it's so good that you never have to worry. You don't have to fear. And um and if you're dwelling upon the fretting upon the the negative, you're fretting upon the the bad and you know, oh my gosh, everybody's gonna be mad at me because I didn't have enough wine. Oh my gosh, you know, the whole world's gonna laugh at me. Oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't even pay our bills anymore because we've paid so much money for this wedding. Whatever it is, it's it's there's the negative and Satan's whole objective to you is to keep you handicapped. He wants you to be in fear. He wants you to he wants you to fret. He wants you to freak out. And Jesus is saying, listen, you invited me to the party, didn't you? Everything is okay. Right. Don't sweat it. Don't worry. Just be still in my presence. Just continue to worship me. Continue to invest in in time with my in, in my presence. And I will promise you, I will show up some way, somehow. And when we do that, we'll be able to see those miracles. We'll be able to see what he's doing. All right. Other awesome. thoughts? Yeah, one last observation, Pete. Okay. Um, in, in Jesus' miracle. Um, I think he presents us a practical lesson in service to God. You see, the water was turned into wine because the servants cooperated with Jesus and obeyed his commands. Several of the signs in John's gospel happened when cooperation of people were involved. For instance, 
when he passed out the bread, yeah. when he washed away the mud or rolled away the stone. We're yeah. all assisting him in performing the miracles. And to me, the part that I got out of chapter two was the miracles happened. So Jesus could have made the wine any way he wanted to, but it happened when the servants were obedient. When they filled the when they filled up the the pots, right, and then they drew the water from the pots, or was it wine? I don't know. Was it still wine, or was it water? Who knows? When they, we don't know, right? Yeah. And then they took it to, and served it. So there was there was three actions the people had to be the, the people had to be obedient for that miracle to 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 occur. So I don't know. I just that think was, that's really that was really cool. good. No, I just this is what I always share with people. I I share this. I said, listen, if you're in a bad position get your eyes off yourself and get it on serving others Amen. if 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 you find a way to get out of the house to go love people to go serve others to go empty yourself and just trust in the lord and serve others you become more complete you become fulfilled and 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 that is where we find and meet jesus and if you want to see the kingdom of god advance and you want to see the kingdom of god not only move in your own heart Go serve. So these people are the only ones that saw. His servant people saw the miracle. His mom and the disciples saw the miracle. So we as servants, we as disciples, will see it when we're serving. That's right. But if we're sitting there dwelling upon things that's, you know, outside of our control, outside of our hands, you know, what's going to happen? You know, Helen Keller said she was the blind person, if you remember. She says, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And, and when we're serving each other, you know, it's it's combating against Satan's ways. It's it's basically saying, I am serving other people in the name of Jesus. I'm going to love people. And Satan is like, well, I hate people. I don't want you to serve them. I don't want you to bring the kingdom of God. And so he's, it's, we're doing the opposite. But by serving, we're now positioning ourselves to be able to see Jesus. That's it. To be able to see his miracles, to, the things that take place. Luke 22, 26 through 27 says, but not, not, uh, but not so with you, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater is one who reclines at a table or one who serves. It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Remember, and Jesus came, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. So again, this is, a, this is something, and as I'm reading this, as we were reading this, we're looking at it, it says, well, Jesus revealed this to the servants. Jesus revealed this miracle to the servants. So if you want to be see miracles, right. serve. Everybody at the party missed it. Yeah. If you want to do that, you serve. It is significant that the servants knew the source of this special wine. When Jesus healed the nobleman's son in John 4, it was the servants who were on the on the secret. We are not just his servants, we are also his friends and we know what he is doing. And I'm telling you, when you've invited Jesus to the party, and you've invited him into your home, and you invited him into your quiet time, and you invited him into everything that you're doing throughout your life, you become a friend with Jesus. You become knowledgeable of his faithfulness. You become knowledgeable of his miracles. You start seeing things that are supernatural. Literally, you start walking on water. Literally, you start seeing mountains move before you. But it's it's the context, and I think this is this story is really setting this up. Any other thoughts? It, this just crossed my mind, Pete. As we're talking about, the servants caught it. They 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 got to witness the miracle, and the rest of the people in the party didn't. You know, they they just kind of were going along their their business and missed it. But they were still blessed. They were still blessed by God. Yep. Even though they didn't, they didn't know yeah. he was there. They yeah. didn't even, yeah. they didn't know about the miracle. They were yeah. still blessed because of the obedience of the people that were following Jesus. What God. a me- what a message there is. There God is for so us. good. God that, is so that good. Just really cool. In spite of everything, yeah. God's grace and mercy is true. That's it. Amen. All right. Well, let's close up. So Watchman Nee said, "It's it is a fact that the Lord Jesus has already died for you. It is also a fact that you have already died with the Lord Jesus." If you did not believe in your death with Christ, you will not be able to receive the effectiveness of death with him, freedom from sin. And what he's saying there is he's saying that if you are a child of God, you the fact is that you've already died with Christ because he now lives within you. You've accepted him. You accepted his death, his burial, and his resurrection as fact in your life. And so now you have been transformed, as the Bible says. You have been set free. 
But if you have not accepted that, then you are, um, the Bible says that you're going to go to hell for all eternity. I mean, that's the, that's the simple truth. And I know that people that listen to that, you know, they ask and they say, well, how could a good God send me to hell for all eternity? Well, he is a good God, but he is also a holy God and he set the standard. And, and Jesus says that, and God says in the Bible that we have to live a perfect life in order to enter into rest or into salvation with God the Father. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. And Jesus lived that perfect life. Jesus died on the cross on the third, third day, and he rose again, and he lives now at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible says that it is by his blood that we are now set free. It's by his blood that we now are able to come into a relationship with him and live now with him for all eternity. We are now able to come into the throne room. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it's sin that separates us. And if you want to give your life to the Jesus, to, to the Jesus, to Jesus today, you can. And, when, and what God is asking of you to do is to repent. He's asking you to humble your heart right now. He's asking you to to ask the Lord for forgiveness. He's saying he's wanting you to say in a in a broken and contrite spirit. Psalms fifty one tells us that. Psalms thirty four tells us that that we are to be broken and be 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 face down before Him with a spirit that says, "Lord, I have done wrong." You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to cry out to Him and tell Him, "Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent of doing it this way." And, and you say, Lord, I believe upon you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are my Savior. I believe that in you I can, I can have eternal life. And you believe that. And so you confess it and you believe it. And then more than anything else, God tells us now go and proclaim it. And so go tell the world that they too can be saved. And, and go tell everybody in your friendships and your family members and everybody, let them know about this love that Jesus has and that what he wants to give and share this with them. And so if that's you, I just pray that you would just pray this, Lord, forgive me my sins, and I pray that you would you would heal me of all my, my past ways, and that you would restore me, and that you would bring hope into my life, and that you would bring me peace, and Lord, that you allow me to live with you for all eternity, because I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. I believe that you are my Savior. I believe that you've forgiven my sins, and I believe that I can live now in victory with hope and peace. And so you say that in your heart, and you say that in your mind and your and in deep within you with a broken and contrite spirit you are saved and the bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice because of that it's that simple and you can share it with other people that basic and uh and and people can come to know jesus is as well you know romans 5 8 says but god shows his love for us and that while we were still sinner he died for us and so he died for you and so, um, what an awesome show, Bob! How that's, could they? What else could we awesome. tell? Them? Yeah. So let us know. I mean, if you just made, you just prayed that prayer, and uh, you decided that uh, you're going to ex- accept this free gift, we would love to hear about it. Uh, you can do that ex- several different ways. You can go to the Riot Podcast, not the just RiotPodcast.co.co. You can go to our Facebook page and uh, just let us know that way. My daughter always likes to say, make sure you hit the subscribe button and punch that bell on YouTube. So if you're watching us, make sure you do that. You'll be notified every time we have a new show released. Um, but Pete, this has been amazing. I, I was going to do a quick recap of, of, of what we covered today. And, and here, here's my notes. First of all, invite. Invite Jesus to your party, or to your life, into your life. Obey him. When you do that, there will be joy and joy that's uh, unmatched. It's It will never end. Um, he, reminder that Jesus only gives the best, that the master of the ceremony missed the miracle, mm. but the servants knew. Yeah. And all for his glory so that others would believe. Amen. So that's kind of my chapter two, one through 12 in a, in a, in a nutshell. That was so, so good. guys, we, uh, man, we just, just honored that you, you took the time to listen to us today. Would you, would you share the show with somebody? There's gotta be somebody on your heart that you think would uh, just benefit from hearing uh, about a miracle and uh, man, there's the miracle. They're out there everywhere. Amen. You just got to open up your eyes and, yeah. and look for them. So we love you guys. We're praying for you guys and we cannot wait till next week to come back to you. So have an amazing week of worship. God bless. Be blessed.
This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.